0: Welcome to You Need to See This, a film podcast about filling in the gaps of our collective cinematic experience. I'm Luce Tomlin Brenner, and I am joined by my lovely co-host.
1: Hi, it's Cozy.
0: Hi, Cozy. Welcome.
1: Oh, it's good to be here.
0: Good. Well, Cozy and I are comedians, writers, filmmakers, and most importantly, film lovers. Each week... Are I should say every other week, we used to be each week and now we're every other week. Uh, (laughs) We pick a film that one of us has seen and one of us has not seen. Then we try to convince each other and you, sweet, lovely listener, that this movie is worth your time. And we cover it all from psychosexual melodramas of the 60s to how did you miss this blockbusters. And we do it all with no spoilers. True. So uh, before we jump into today's film, which I'm really excited about because it is a rare one, uh, we're going to do a little section called We Saw It, where we discuss the films that we convinced each other to see on a past episode. So Cozy, I know you have two We Saw It's today. Why don't you hit me with one of them?
1: I would love to, but before that, I want to know how the shooting was. You're back from shooting
0: your short. Oh my goodness, it's true. Thank you so much for asking. Yes. Absolutely. Um, the month of July, That I mean, a lot of June, I uh, was prepping for Surprise, and then the month of July, I shot Surprise and started editing it, and I'm still in my first round of edits right now, but it went fantastically It was great. That's so great. It was a five day shoot. We came in uh, under schedule. I got to wrap it up in four and a half days, four full days and one evening. So that was really incredible. And then we came in under budget. It was a, we were budgeted for uh, $6,000. And then we ended up with $400 left over or six, did I say thousand? Yeah. Six thousand dollars, and then we ended up spending like four or five thousand six hundred something. So coming in like four hundred dollars under budget was really exciting and like oh, never, that's the best. Never done before. It's like very rare. <laughs> <laughs> so that was oh, great. That's so awesome. Yeah, I had to take time off from my paying day jobs, so it was great. Kind of covered some of my lost income from that time. Uh, which is really helpful for rent purposes. And um, the actresses were all, like, above and beyond. Even Like, I wrote the script. I wrote each part with these women in mind, and they just, like, took it to all new heights that I wasn't even prepared for. They made lines funnier than I had written them. They, They saw, like, horror and, like, chilling performances in places that I didn't necessarily see and, like, it was just so exciting. I love film because it's so collaborative and if you get the right people together, uh you know, who are good at working on a team, who are like kind and creative and thoughtful, like it was just perfect. It was like 20 people, which is the biggest set that I've ever managed before and 5 oh, days sure. is the longest shoot that I've ever done. So mm. It was definitely like very challenging. I learned every day was just like uh, another learning experience. Uh, (laughs) I'm exhausted.
1: The best, but but also very difficult. Yeah, absolutely. Yes,
0: I was so so tired for like almost a month. Like I was sleeping because I didn't sleep the entire time. I slept like a couple hours a night, but I was so – I just like could not calm down. Oh, Um, no. (laughs) So then like most of July was just me trying to catch up on sleep. But the amount of things that I learned – and the amount of people who are just so helpful and gracious and just, I just feel really, um, I don't know, grateful. I feel really lucky. I'm really proud of myself for putting this team together. And, you know, I've been working on being a director for the last five, six, six, seven years, really. And I really feel like I put a lot of what I've learned into this shoot and it went well, instead of oh. like it wasn't a disaster, which oh, is really thrilling. <laughs> oh, that's the best!
1: Oh, yeah. that's so great. How were how were the um, the in car shots that you've been talking about so much during the podcast? Oh my How'd gosh! How did they go?
0: It went well. <laughs> I, that's definitely an area that I'm like, I have a lot more to learn about this. And if we would have had more time and more money, we could have done more with it. I think like I spent so much time researching it and watching car movies. And like in the end, we didn't get to do like half of what I wanted to do with the car. We were definitely like, the car is a big part of it. It's kind of a car chase movie in a way. Yeah. Um, it's like a comedy horror car chase movie.
1: <laughs> yes. Love it.
0: <laughs> um. So we're definitely in the car for like, um, you know, a good portion of it, mm-hmm. but I wanted to do like, uh, we had a car mount and then the roads that I had mapped out ended up being too bumpy and then the car mount didn't work. And so there's just a lot of stuff we had to sort of toss out day of. Oh, so
1: sure.
0: it'll be interesting. I just, there's three major scenes. It's a 20 minute short, um, and so, like the first scene is all in a park, the second scene is all in the car, and the third scene is all in an alley where things start mm. going really poorly. Um, and <laughs> in an
1: alley, impossible. I know,
0: right? A classic <laughs> place for horrific shenanigans. <laughs> um, so the car stuff, I just, I've just been working on scene one for the last couple of weeks, and now I'm, mm. I just started looking at the footage yesterday and it's it's looking good. I'm trying to remind myself that like this isn't a feature, so like we already we have 3 hours of footage. <laughs> mm, oh wow. <laughs> for 20 minutes so it's like okay, it's okay that I don't have all of the footage I wanted because we already have more than we need.
1: Oh, of course.
0: It's hard though cuz you get like married to ideas. You fall in love with certain scenes and yeah it's
1: hard it's hard to kill your darlings absolutely
0: yeah so um I think it went well I'm excited to keep looking at the footage of the car stuff and I'm just hoping that it like is believable that we're in a car chase you know (laughs) (laughs) and of course always hoping for like some grace I mean I'm really proud of the writing and I'm really proud of the performances because it's a very funny Film and it's like a really dark and disturbing film, and so I'm hoping the areas where we were very low budget, which is definitely the car stuff. Like I'm hoping that the the set deck because the car looks amazing. It's Mm. you you hate planes, trains, and automobiles. Is that right?
1: That is correct.
0: Do you find it stressful?
1: I find it, I find John Candy so annoying in it, and I just can't do a movie where someone's annoying someone else for the whole movie.
0: (laughs) That makes sense. Do you remember the taxi that they take when they're, like, first together and it's, like, all decked out in, like, um, pom-poms and, like, different tchotchkes all over the taxi?
1: No, but I've seen taxis like that.
0: Okay, well, we basically, I was very inspired by that taxi in that movie specifically, and so I tried <laughs> to deck out the van like that. So yes. it's cool, because in the frame of the van, there's just so much to look at, and so I'm hoping, mm. like, that set deck and then the acting and the writing will be enough that people aren't going to try to, like, poke holes and, like, how long have no. they been driving, or it doesn't look like they've gone very far, you right. know what I mean, and oh, use sure. editing to convey a passage of time. Um, I'm at like the scary point still where I haven't shown it to anybody. It's just like my editor who has seen it now and she loves it, but she's also my cousin. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, cousins have to love things. Those are the rules of cousins. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Shout out to Lizzie Mingus, my favorite relative. She's like a sister to me. I'm an only child. So closest thing to my sister. I love her so much. She's a professional editor. So it's not just like she's cobbling something together out of a favor. Right, of um, course. She is giving me – this is also a favor. Um, <laughs> but, like, she's extremely talented. She edited messed up and – um some of the some of the scenes from my web series. Gilmhauer Girls, my first work, my earliest work. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> um and she really, really loved it and like was very effusive about it. And that made me feel good because she's very artistic and she has great taste. So I think she wouldn't really go on and on if she didn't actually feel that way because she's um not really an ass kisser.
1: Sure. That makes a ton of sense. Plus honestly like after, after editing a project for a long time, I personally grow to hate it. So if you can edit something and then not hate it, then that means it's good.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, honestly, I've been watching the same scenes over and over and over, and they still are mm-hmm. making me laugh. And, like, obviously yes. I love myself, and like, I think I'm very talented. <laughs> but, like, I don't know. I, sometimes I watch stuff I make over and over, and I'm like, I can't tell if this is good. Or, like, stand-up sets where I'm like, I don't know if this joke works. I can't sure.
1: tell. Sure. But,
0: like, watching this, I'm like, this is fucking funny. This is good. People are, I hope people are gonna love it. So, that's great. Thank you. We're working towards a deadline of October 1st. And then, my creative partner, Shannon Brown, with uh, Too Much Productions, she is going to, I helped her shoot uh, Demon Juice, Mm. her short this summer. So, we're gonna premiere uh, Demon Juice and Surprise together under our production collective, Too Much. And uh, I'm excited. We're gonna have like a big private party, and you are invited, Cozy. But no one else out there. And oh, Pete. thank you. Pete and Cozy are invited. Oh, love
1: it. Absolutely. I'm gonna lord it over everybody.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's why I'm announcing it here publicly for jealousy purposes. <laughs> oh, much
1: appreciated. That sounds so fun. Well, thank you for this exclusive interview. Very, you are so
0: welcome. Thank (laughs) you for asking. I'm, I'm. That really means a lot to me. It's very touching that you are interested, that you care, and I hope, I hope the, I hope the listeners are interested as well. And thank you to everyone who contributed to our Seed and Spark campaign. We, our goal was five thousand. We made sixty one hundred after fees, platform fees, and that was just like absolutely incredible. Very very helpful. We used all of it. (laughs) 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 Um, So more more updates to come, for sure.
1: Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, wonderful. All right. Should we talk about some movies and such? Yes.
0: What did you watch? What did I convince you to see?
1: Uh, Two movies. Um, I'll Mm -hmm. give you one of them right now. I saw River of Grass.
0: Oh, my gosh. Cozy watching Cozy.
1: I know. It's so weird to see Cozy representation in art.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah, I'm dying to know.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Like whenever I heard my name, I kind of felt the weird distance from it, but also kind of felt it specifically. It was a really odd thing that I haven't really run into before.
0: <laughs> right, like you had that poll. Yeah, <laughs> like, I don't. What, what do you? Need? I never.
1: Yeah, I just <laughs> never hear it as a name. Uh, I've I've seen it written as a name, but it's so rare to hear it. Um, oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, I have a couple very quick commentary things on it. Um, it's very mean of me to say, but the love interest guy looked like Dana Carvey with a five head.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, he does. I <laughs> it's mean, so there. <laughs> he's that big. He's like a major horror actor and producer now. He's Amazing. Been, uh, yeah, Larry Fassadin. He's yeah. been... Yeah, I mean, he's got a great face for horror, for sure.
1: Yeah, Oh, it's perfect. And (laughs) the moment where her dad's friend threw the basketball in the pool was really adorable.
0: Oh, yeah. I thought that was really funny, too. (laughs) Oh, so
1: good. Uh, And in general, um, there are a bunch of things that I really like. I like the framing device of the numbers a lot. Uh, Mm. I really like the whiplash soundtrack.
0: Yeah. It has a really was, good soundtrack.
1: Yeah, that was so cool. Uh, it was like a little bit too drifty for my taste, but by the end I did like a lot what it was saying as a movie.
0: Oh, cool, good. What did you think about the final uh, the final scene?
1: I thought that was perfect. That was right? exactly what I wanted.
0: <laughs> oh, I lo- I think it's so, it is so perfect. It's so funny, and I love the way, that the beat that it takes, because some films would end like, Uh, on the moment of action. Oh, yeah. The way it takes a few beats and you're just with Cozy by the end of the movie because you start the movie with Cozy, you end the movie with Cozy. I think it's a great bookend.
1: Absolutely. Totally agreed. Uh, Yeah, just seeing a choice is such a nice feeling in movies in general. I feel like I see fewer and fewer choices being made in a lot of movies.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. Uh, You'll like that about today's episode, too, is many choices. Yes. Love that. Um, So do you agree that our listeners need to see Kelly Raycard's first film, 1994's River of Grass?
1: I do. People should absolutely check it out.
0: Heck, yes. Okay, wonderful. Well, if you, listener, have not um, – you haven't seen River of Grass or you want to, you know, be convinced, this was from our April 12th episode of this year. So you can go back and listen to that one and, and get some more details on River of Grass.
1: <laughs>
0: oh, I didn't know if you were <laughs> – I was like, where do you go? I forgot that it's my turn now. I also haven't <laughs> <thought> saw it. <laughs> yeah, it's
1: true. Absolutely. Go for it. I'm so curious.
0: Okay, I went back really far because I was like, I need to go because you know we've been doing the this for almost two years now, and I was mm-hmm. like, there are still some from the very beginning that I have not seen. So yeah, I went those are my way, favorites. Right? Okay, good. I'm glad. I'm glad you're into it. I went <laughs> all the way back and watched Batman Returns, 1982. Oh wow!
1: Amazing.
0: This was from our December 2nd, 2019 episode. Uh, this was you and our old co-host Nick uh, convinced me to watch Batman Returns. And it's really just like very random that I never watched it. Right. Um, it was like at the time when those movies came out, um, my parents thought I was like too young for them and that they weren't appropriate for me, even though I had plenty of friends that were watching them. And we're all the same age and you guys <laughs> watched them. Uh, but my parents were super, super strict. So I didn't see the original Batman until years later. And then I don't know, fandoms, like, weren't as aggressive, like, several years ago. Oh, um, nowhere
1: near it. Yeah. Oh. Yeah.
0: Pre-internet. So it was kind of like, oh, yeah, I saw it, the first Batman, but, like, nobody was on you about watching all of them, you Yeah, know? it
1: wasn't oppressive and toxic and terrible.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I was just like, oh, yeah, I'll watch that someday. Wasn't that interested in it. Didn't think it would be that fun. Honestly, super fun. Yes. Extremely good. Michelle Pfeiffer is so sexy. <laughs> it's like unreal. I totally get what everyone's been talking about for most of my life. Oh,
1: I'm so glad to hear that. Yeah, she was like such a high uh, factor for me for you seeing it. I was like, Michelle Pfeiffer, she's right there for you. She's so Yes, good.
0: Oh. and I might have said this on that episode. I, I did not re-listen to the episode, and I should have to like speak to your points. Oh, it's all good. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) But she did, they made that costume at the Stock Room, which is an L.A.-based latex and fetish company that has a storefront in Echo Park, Um, and they have it on display, like the original, the Catwoman costume.
1: Amazing. Yeah,
0: so if you go to that storefront, you can see it, and uh, I'm like, oh yeah, I've seen the real Catwoman costume, Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. obviously like I... Uh, I do think latex is hot, so it was very exciting to, like, actually see it in action. And I'm like, this is crazy. I can kind of see why my parents were like, this isn't appropriate for, like, an 8-year-old. Oh,
1: yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> it's I mean- scary, too. Yeah, I mean the the whole the whole thing with uh, with Devito biting the nose is like in my brain forever.
0: <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. He was really wonderful. I think it's interesting that he hasn't been in any other genre of films in that way.
1: Right. It's like, so strange.
0: He's creepy. He's a scary dude. Yeah, he does good um, work. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, yeah, uh, I definitely. It's kind of crazy. Like, I feel like very dumb to be like, oh yeah, you guys haven't seen. Like if no one out there has seen <laughs> Batman Returns, you should watch it. But like, I I'm probably the last person.
1: <laughs> There's always someone out there. You just never know, especially like younger folks. Honestly, younger yeah. folks who haven't checked out the old Batmans, and they're like the only ones I know are like Rise of the Batman and da 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 da. All the yeah, the Christopher Nolan
0: films that are like not fun and I don't like. I love Heath Ledger, and I really I did like The Dark Knight. Oh um, yeah for Heath Ledger, but, like, I just don't... I'm not into the, like, dark superhero stuff. I think it's cheesy. Yeah, the old Tim
1: Burton ones were so fun.
0: (laughs) They're totally mirror the, like, feeling of a comic book.
1: Mm, True. They're
0: super, like, playful and over-the-top. And, like, this one is dark and has, like, a lot of horror elements while still being, like, very fun. And I just like that it's not, like, so obsessive about trauma. Like, yeah, good so call. So mean spirited about killing people. Like, it's just like ugh, the world already feels heavy and dark. It's nice to just be like this man dresses like a penguin, lives underground. Right? <laughs> yeah,
1: and it uh, and like it's been a while, but uh, I I feel like there wasn't a ton of Batman in it, and I was totally fine with that.
0: Absolutely, yeah. No, all <laughs> the side characters. Batman's always the least interesting character.
1: Yes. Oh, the, yes.
0: You know, I recently watched for the first time Dick Tracy, which. Mm has strong Batman vibes about it as far as like big monstery characters and like kind of overdramatic um, relationships between uh, like very overwrought uh, romances. <laughs> and oh, I sure. enjoyed it so much. I thought it had a very similar vibe to it. So if you haven't seen Dick Tracy and you want something kind of playful, like the Tim Burton Batman movies, it's a fun like double feature.
1: That's a great idea. Yeah. I've never checked it out.
0: I think you'd like it. I think you'd find it really fun. Um mm. there's like a couple moments that drag, but like really they're very it's a very like fast-paced movie.
1: Yeah, I'm into that. I've been seeing a lot of very slow ones lately, which has also been kind of nice. Like a lot oh, of good surprises and stuff like that. But oh, cool. yeah. Yeah, what, like uh, like, oh, pig was, was super slow paced in such a nice way.
0: Oh, I love pig. Pig is like Kelly Reichardt meets John Wick. Like, oh, that's
1: a great way of putting it. Ugh.
0: I love, I, oh, I find pig was like so peaceful and also like this really interesting like meditation on how like men will do anything to not confront their feelings.
1: Yes. Good call. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> um. And what else? Had, Uh, I mean, I guess we're going to talk about this on the, like, maybe in recommendations. But, yeah, I saw Pig and I saw Zola recently in the theater. And I thought they were both very fun.
1: Oh, awesome. Yeah, I haven't checked that one out yet. I'm curious about it, though.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's very playful. I thought it did a good job of weaving internet Aspects into it without it just being like in the iPhone screen is on a split screen, and now you're looking (laughs) at the iPhone as you're watching a movie, which makes me feel insane because I'm like I don't want to look at screens.
1: Yeah, it's a tough it's tough line to walk. So I'm glad they did that well.
0: I think they did it in a really clever way, and they like kind of sewed some at like Twitter noises, like notification (laughs) noises and stuff, into the score in this really clever way. I liked it. I thought it felt really modern and like very like, hip and bubblegummy. I enjoyed it a lot. That was very good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Four out of five stars. There was some more... I would have liked some more character, like, exploration, but I understand it's also based on a Twitter thread. So, fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's how it goes, definitely.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Okay, so you have another We Saw It for us.
1: I do. I have one more. Uh, I uh, did what I have done so many times. I... Uh, turned out all the lights in my apartment, I set up my laptop, and I turned on Halloween 3, Season of the Witch.
0: Oh, yes. Oh, my God. That's so great. What a fun, because we're like less than 100 days from Halloween. Today we're recording on Friday the 13th. So what a good like like, spooky season vibe.
1: Right. It's perfect. And like with the new Halloween like on its way, seeing those trailers and stuff, I was like, yeah, Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm still not Anywhere near caught up, but it's nice to feel a little closer.
0: (laughs) Yes, definitely. Wait, so you've seen, are you doing it in order? You've seen the first, second, and now the third one?
1: This is the third one we've talked about so far.
0: Okay, cool. That's what I thought. So, I mean, I'm dying to know. I already prepped you. That has nothing to do with the series. So you went in knowing that.
1: (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. That was helpful. Yeah, this movie felt like a weird mix between, like, The Matrix and a Creepy Town movie.
0: (laughs) Why did it feel like The Matrix?
1: I think just because it's like, honestly, I don't remember at this point. That's a good question. I did write. I did watch it a little while ago. I watched it uh, before you started shooting. So oh, okay. I have some notes and I'm like, why did I think it felt like? I think because things didn't feel like they actually were maybe something like that. There was some kind of weird, uh, you know, that's a really good
0: question. Like, like the automatons, like the robot type, um, maybe like the people who were working for the... The man, oh, the factory. Yeah, because they
1: all kind of had that same sort of guys in suits look. Yeah, yes. that was it. That was definitely
0: yeah. it. That makes, that's so funny. I'm like, I've literally never heard anyone compare Halloween <laughs> 3 to the Matrix. First yeah, time everyone was a
1: Mr. Whatever that guy's name was.
0: Right. <laughs> that's true, though. They did look like that guy.
1: Yeah, I was like, these are the bad guys. Okay, cool. I like it. Um, yeah, like I, obviously. <laughs> I, yeah, uh, and I, I loved how the main character is just, like, dude with no stakes in it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, i yeah, he's uh Tom, oh my God, what Atkinson, he's so awesome, he's in the fog too John Carpenter's the fog, and oh, I think he's just like really compelling
1: he was- inter- i w- I was so like he was interesting he was he seemed like a lumpy, stagey keach kind of guy
0: to me. Oh, my God. Totally. That's perfect. <laughs> on the nose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And on I was so like, why didn't they just make Ellie the main character? I was so I was very sad that we didn't get another Lori because I definitely prefer Lori to Lumpy Keech. <laughs>
0: yeah definitely it is kind of a bummer to like lose having like a woman as the main character
1: yeah and then it ended up like with that weird deeply unmotivated romance and i was like no more weirdly unmotivated romance
0: <laughs> yes yeah i know and there's like a sex scene and it's like, yeah okay. i was like Does why are really- you
1: why are we doing this <laughs>
0: Well, that's also crazy because then you find out that she's a robot. Right, exactly.
1: That whole thing so of it it's all like, is the whole world of it. W-
0: wait, so he fucked a robot? Like i am I'm gonna need more details on like how he didn't notice. Like, so in this world they made like full on like pocket pussies for these robots. <laughs> Like, (laughs) did she get wet? Like, I just don't, I have so many questions.
1: It was very, I was trying to figure out how long she had been a robot for, because I know that there was a moment where she was away from him and like stuck in that weird room. And I was like, maybe that's when they roboted her,
0: Mm, Oh. but maybe they did
1: it before that. Like, there's no solid line to where roboting begins. It could have been from minute one.
0: Yeah, that was that's how I always read it, that she was like always a robot because her dad worked for that factory.
1: Yeah, because her so. dad had already gone and done that. Yeah, I was trying I originally I assumed it was the other way, but now I'm not sure.
0: <laughs> oh, so like they killed the original one and then made her into a robot? Yeah,
1: like very quickly. <laughs> like the speed yeah, yeah. of it would have been insane. <laughs> but I'm like, you know what, in this movie I kind of buy it.
0: Right. Also, the movie where, like, the um, Stonehenge has, like, magical powers. <laughs> right. The whole,
1: yeah. Every Everything in it kind of got so close to making absolutely no sense. And then at the last second, it was like, gotcha, we kind of justified it a little.
0: <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, exactly. But I think it's so fun to watch. Like, yes. yeah, I don't care at that point, like, how justified it is. And it's kind of fun to think about, like, wait, uh, what now? <laughs>
1: yeah, it was such a fun movie. Yeah, like and then everyone in Santa Mira was, like, a, aggressively a weird character, which was super fun to watch.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. love a world where, like, every, I love that. That's one of my favorite feelings in a movie, the, like, wait, something's not quite right here.
1: Yeah, there's like, a great Creepy Town.
0: <laughs> yeah, Creepy Town. That's what I really like about Blood on Satan's Claw, which is a more recent episode horror Mm. episode we did where it's just like oh yikes something is off it's like my favorite feeling when it's not so obvious like I love you know the conjuring universe movies I think are really fun
1: Mm. but it's like
0: obviously something's wrong it's a haunted house but I like it when you're not sure what's wrong but you definitely know something's wrong
1: yeah something's off is a great feeling those are those are a good ride every time because you always get there
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I guess the worst is like when it's not revealed well And then it's like, oh, that's all it was? When something is, like, much weirder than what the actual reveal is, then yeah, I'm like, so sad. I'm pissed.
1: <laughs> I mean, that's definitely how I felt about, um, what's it called? Uh, the, the Ari Aster one that everyone loved that I was Tamar? like, no, the, well, the one oh, before hereditary. It, hereditary. Yeah. I was like the, I hated the reveal so much in hereditary.
0: <laughs> that makes sense. I know a lot of people feel that way too, that it, it felt like too derivative. Or even
1: just, it, it took a lot of the bite out of it for me. I was just like, this is this is all it was, then there's no reason to care, almost. i It took the bite That's, just
0: right out. Oh, interesting. <laughs> I was just so, at that point, my nerves were just so raw. Like, I had been so disturbed the entire time by everything. Yeah. And it's just, uh, the sadness of it all, just it made me feel such intense despair. That, that makes sense. I was... I agree. Anytime it's just like, and then and someone's a witch. It's like okay, of course, it's always a witch. Like, yeah, and
1: just like so, all the all the stuff with it, I was just like, ah, uh, no. The thanks. supernatural
0: stuff wasn't quite as interesting, but I thought per, the production design was so original and so scary and jolting that oh, yeah. the actual reason didn't end up mattering as much to me because even like the final shot, I found so upsetting and oh, th- sure, that I was like, I'm upset. Good job.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Oh, absolutely. Um, gen- uh, generally, my verdict on Halloween 3 is that it was weird and fun. So oh, I'm good.
0: On- awesome. Uh, great. Well, that's totally how I feel also. <laughs>
1: Perfect. Ah, uh, Great.
0: I like that you can just watch it on its own, too, and you don't need to, you know, sit through all of the other ones. Um, yeah, there's
1: no there's no history or lore or whatever you have to deal with, yeah.
0: Yes, but if anyone has seen the new trailer for Halloween Kills, which is the new David Gordon Green entry picking up where Halloween 2018 left off, the new trailer does have the Halloween 3 masks featured in it.
1: Yeah, that was exciting. I was like, these mean something to me now. This is great.
0: (laughs) Yeah, see? (laughs) Yeah, it's exciting. Um, I have been talking to people about it, and everyone I've talked to thinks that it's just like a visual callback, but I'm really hoping that they try to weave something in, because I just think it would be so much more interesting to know that, like, the Silver Shamrock Factory exists, like, within Illinois or, like, within the same world that Haddonfield exists,
1: As long as they don't do that really annoying jingle, I'm in. (laughs) Ah,
0: Silver Shamrock. (laughs) Uh, Yes, that's like my favorite song to just like spam people with.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's perfect. That's a great choice.
0: Because he like can never, it's better than Rick Rolling.
1: Yes. Oh, I see. I could see that. I could definitely see that.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. Amazing. Well, are we ready to get into today's film?
1: I'm feeling pretty ready.
0: Okay, great. Today's film, we are, is. <laughs> that's me doing improv and looking at the script at the same time. <laughs> I know it's hard, right? It's and a weird feeling. Today's film, we <laughs> is. <laughs> of, why, I should never deviate from the script. Uh, <laughs> today, we're discussing night, the 1968 film, Secret Ceremony. And Cozy, Ooh. you need to see this.
1: Oh, I've definitely never heard of this one. I like that such a specific name that I'm definitely like, I have absolutely never heard of this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, it can't be confused with anything else. Um, That's great. A lot of people have it. It's really hard to find. It's not available online. Uh, Kino Lorber just released it on Blu-ray for the very first time. And we just got it at the store at Videotech where I work. And so I squirreled it away because I had read about it. And one of my favorite books, House of Psychotic Women, by Kirla Janice, which is a really incredible uh, book on subversive film and um, uh, mental illness, basically.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah. Yes, please.
0: Uh, It's great. It's especially good if you're interested in um, rarer uh, genre films, um, especially stuff from like 60s, 70s, 80s. So... I read about it in that book. I've been really interested in it ever since then. And when the Blu-ray came out a few months ago, I was like, got to watch it. And just from like, you ever watch a movie where like a few minutes in, you're like, yes, this is it. This oh, is for me.
1: <laughs> absolutely. Uh, 100%. We've done them on here before.
0: Yeah, right. Definitely. I mean, that's how I felt when I watched uh, Eternal Sunshine. Very different movie. But just like being immediately hooked is one of the greatest feelings when you're watching a film.
1: Oh, Absolutely.
0: And that's, I mean, Secret Ceremony from the opening, the music, is so haunting, uh, the visuals, just like very colorful, very uh, beguiling. And I was just like, I love it. And then like every scene, I was like, I love it. I love it. I love mm-hmm. it. Like <laughs> So, um, you know, I saw it recently. And like I said, I'd read about it before, hotly anticipated it. And now I want everybody to see it. Uh, because it's 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 rare and I think it's not on a lot of people's radar. So this is me trying to spread the love.
1: Oh, that's a great thing. Yes, please.
0: <laughs> um, all right. Well, let's get into some specifics about it. This movie was directed by Joseph Lucy, who is really a delightful director, somebody that I really like a lot. He um, is... He was born in uh, Wisconsin. He's an American director uh, of theater and film. But he was blacklisted in Hollywood. HUAC went after him. He did Mm. a lot of work with Dalton Trumbo, uh, who was also on the blacklist. And he eventually exiled to London. So Secret Ceremony was actually filmed in London. Uh, He moved there in the 50s. Uh, He's also known for the horror movie The Damned uh, from 1963 the uh psychological horror movie the prowler uh from 1951 uh and another movie that's sort of thought of as a um <laughs> like one of the worst movies ever made boom <laughs> boom starring elizabeth taylor and uh, richard burton it's very fun it's sort of like the room for the 60s <laughs> oh
1: wow yeah i don't think i know that one
0: uh yeah, it's great. Highly recommend B-O-O-B exclamation point. Boom. Uh, and then Wait,
1: B-O-O-B or B-O-O-M?
0: Did I not say B-O-O-M?
1: I think you said B-O-O-B, and I was like, boom. did I hear it as <laughs> boob or boom?
0: Oh, man, it'd be so funny <laughs> if it was just a movie called Boob. So it's called Boob with an exclamation point. point.
1: That sounds such a different type of terrible. Uh.
0: <laughs> wow. Oh, oh, no. As if. Um <laughs> That'd be great. And then this other um, movie that's really good called Modesty Blaze that he might be the most popular for uh, about a female secret agent who's like, um, it's very inspirational, I think, to Austin Powers because it's like a sexy secret agent woman who's like into mod style and parties.
1: Oh, that's perfect.
0: Yeah. Really fun. He's a really fun director. I highly recommend his work. And I also think that we should like study the... Artists who were blacklisted to like understand how Hollywood is not just like this bastion of liberal thought or leftist politics because any time that it has been, it's really been pushed out as quickly as possible. Oh so right. He has like a really interesting history. Um, he actually talked about how he was um, under contract with RKO when Howard Hawks took over RKO and he was like radically anti-communist and Mm -hmm. he did, he was like trying to flush RKO out of like any communist like sentiment. Um, This was in 1948. And I guess he would regularly do tests to see their loyalties oh, and if no, they had any ew. communist sympathies. I know, right? It's like, you are a film producer. Shut up. Like,
1: Seriously. That's 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 such a specific power abuse Ugh, oh. test. Yes.
0: It's so gross. Um, Lucy explained that he was offered a film called I Married a Communist, which he turned down. But he <laughs> later learned that it was a touchstone for establishing who was red. So – If you got offered to marry a communist, or I guess, so Hawks would offer I married a communist to anyone he thought was a communist. And if he, if they turned it down, then he assumed they were.
1: Oh my God.
0: (laughs) I'm like, that is just such like cylindrical thinking. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Like you're just going around and around and around. Like what does that have to do with anything?
1: Ugh, paranoia and people in power.
0: Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Yes, totally. So that's a, just a little bit of quick background on Joseph Lucy and sort of like where his head's at, which hmm. is uh, important and interesting in this film, I think. And then it was written by George Tabori, who I actually didn't know anything about. Um, and I would say like the, what he's most known for is the Hitchcock film, 1953 film, I Confess. Which is great. I like. I confess, um, and I haven't seen any of his other films. Uh, Crisis with Cary Grant, The Young Lovers with <laughs> actors I've never heard of before. I assume um, that's
1: every movie from a certain era of Hollywood is just called The Young Lovers.
0: Yes, exactly. This this poster too. It's like a man and a woman like dramatically kissing on the cover. Forbidden <laughs> love, daring, of defiant. Course. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 1954. Um, That's it. <laughs> and then he wrote like uh, this: Sartre's uh, the adaptation of No Exit. Oh, so interesting guy. Uh, and then it's starring the cast is what's really exciting. It stars Elizabeth Taylor and Mia Farrow and Robert Mitchum.
1: Oh, really? I'm yeah. I'm surprised to hear Mia, Mia Farrow connected to those names. I always feel like she's from such a different time.
0: No, she's from exactly this time. She really? filmed this movie right after Rosemary's Baby.
1: Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. This is
0: good.
1: Yeah, this is helpful so, for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, right? Um, and she's wearing like a a black wig in this movie, which is just really interesting because Rosemary's Baby is one of my favorite movies. And I've seen it so many times that seeing Mia Farrow's face with like black like like a black bob like almost like a betty page type wig oh yeah so odd
1: (laughs) (laughs) that is very weird definitely
0: but it's great because she is a very off-kilter strange bird character so it's Mm. it's cool it's very different from her rosemary woodhouse character um But I would say more disturbing. Like, Mm. if that movie disturbs you, this one is much odder.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: Yeah. So, let's get into the synopsis. And now, a quick logline. Like, if you look it up, it doesn't really belay what the movie is about. Um, It's like a a, a meshed web of deception, madness, (laughs) in the powerful, psychotic thriller. So, that's not really the half of it. So, When I tried to write up a description, I was challenged because it's very complicated. (laughs) There's like lots of things going on. It's not just Uh, one
1: secret ceremony and then they're done?
0: (laughs) No, it's like several (laughs) secret ceremonies all affecting and reacting to each other.
1: What? They should have called it secret ceremonies.
0: (laughs) I know. Maybe there just wasn't room on the poster.
1: That sounds right to me. Typographical stuff.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, All right. Well, uh, so I'm taking this description. This was written by Kirla Janice in uh, House of Psychotic Women. Hmm. So here we go. In Joseph Lucy's underrated secret ceremony, an aging but still glamorous Elizabeth Taylor stares as Lenora, a prostitute, grieving over the death of her daughter in a drowning accident. Traveling to the graveyard for a visit one day, she is accosted on a city bus by a waifish weirdo named Sensi, played by Mira Farrow, who insists that Lenora is missing—is her missing mother— So, Sensi insists that Lenora is her missing mother. That sounds great. I know, (laughs) right? Yes. Sensi's pleading eyes remind Lenora of her dead daughter, and she concedes to follow the house to her giant. Oh my God, I cannot read this writing, I'm sorry. (laughs) It's okay,
1: no, she follows the house and then the house goes to... (laughs) Yes, and the
0: house has all these secret ceremonies inside of it and it's a haunted house. It's monster house for adults. Oh, (laughs) perfect. (laughs) I gotta gotta go back. Sensi's pleading eyes remind Lenora of her dead daughter and she concedes to follow the girl to her giant London house where she immediately spies a picture of the mother in question and understands the confusion. The two women are nearly identical. Mm. but in all the family photos, the image of the father is suspiciously blackened out. Ooh. Yes. So, uh, essentially, Lenora sizes up the situation and is like, okay, you want your dead mom back, and I miss my daughter, so I could just live in this, like, fabulous mansion and, like, play out these, like, mother-daughter games together. (laughs) Uh, But... She soon discovers that the father, who is X'd out of the photos, was uh, here caught doing something, quote, scandalous with Sensi in the kitchen and left Mm. her permanently deranged.
1: Oh, geez.
0: So then, uh, all about what is going, what kinds of games this uh, bizarre family unit is like playing together. Cool. I like
1: that. Yeah. Good relationships.
0: Yes. Oh my gosh. This movie is so scandalous. (laughs) Uh, I love it so much. They don't make movies like this at all anymore, which will take us into our first reason. Why don't I just kick it off with that? Um, I've never seen a movie like this before and these types of stories don't exist. And I feel like anything close to it would end up being like a lifetime movie. (laughs) because it's like my daughter is dead my mother is dead why don't you pretend to be my daughter and i'll pretend to be your mother and also you were raped by your stepfather who's who's also trying to hang out and be a part of this group and like you're forever (laughs) acting like a child because of this but it's like Mm. also sexual like it's so fucking weird wow (laughs) (laughs) there is so much going on and it's it's so fun and because it takes place in this like gorgeous house like the most beautiful house i've ever seen in my life mm-hmm. it's also like very sumptuous like it's beautiful looking
1: mm-hmm.
0: um so reason number 1 this movie is fun from start to finish and I, just to put out like a uh what a disclaimer uh yes this is also about sexual abuse but it's in the most i don't know over dramatic <laughs> non realistic way
1: mm. so
0: I don't really – I don't find this movie to be triggering. Everybody has their own limits. I'm not trying to make light of it at all. But, again, it's very lifetime-y. Oh, sure. Um, okay. So, number two, this go, – going into this, this is a sapphic, gothic melodrama, which is essentially three of my favorite themes.
1: Like,
0: <laughs> uh, it's beautiful. It's sexy. It's soapy. Um it's it's filmed in a gorgeous way, like long shots of beautiful rooms that are like exquisitely designed and everyone's wearing like very dramatic costumes. And Mia Farrow, like when Elizabeth Taylor decides that she's going to live there, it happens so quickly. Like it's like Mia Farrow sees Elizabeth Taylor on the bus and she's like, mommy, please, mommy, <laughs> come home with me, mommy. I'm just like, She's 22 in the movie, but she's acting like this... Wait, did you ever watch Spider-Baby after I recommended it?
1: No, I haven't checked it out yet.
0: Okay. Well, Spider-Baby was like an earlier uh, episode this season, one of my favorite movies, also about age regression, and that she is just like one of the characters in Spider-Baby, and so there's some interesting, like, and that is about fucked up family dynamics also. I guess I love the genre. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, And so it's like just something about an adult woman, like acting like a deranged child, I think is so funny (laughs) and very entertaining. And so Elizabeth Taylor just goes with it. And then she's like, oh, wow, fancy house. I think I will stay here.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, amazing.
0: And she clearly can tell that, like, Sensi is deranged, and she's like, mmm, poor Sensi. But then she, like, opens a closet filled with, like, furs and, like, velvet gowns, and she's like, ooh.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. Amazing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so it's like she's torn this whole time. She, like, wants to do the right thing by Sensi, but then also wants to live in the lap of luxury, and I'm like, this is kind of a relatable story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, oh, that's great. You know what? That reminds me of a little bit uh, of female trouble
0: yes yeah oh my gosh cozy you're right there are some elements of female trouble in it because it's like i didn't get what i want and now i'm pursuing a life of crime yeah and
1: like big furs and like uh uh, adults acting like kids it's all there
0: yes wow you're right i do really love this (laughs) this is a theme that i love it's
1: a good thread
0: (laughs) um there's and you know just get into some of the sapphic stuff there's like a scene where uh She's like, let me brush your hair. And they like <laughs> sensually brush each other's hair for like five minutes. And I'm like, oh God. Uh, <laughs> like, this is so hot. <laughs> <laughs> um, and there's like a scene where Mia Farrows uh fetches tea for Elizabeth Taylor and she like gets it's a you know ornate silver tea set, which like all of us dream of like having like oh yes i would love to have a tea like it's just so luxurious like (laughs) to have a whole tea set set up and she brings it to her on this tray and she sets it down in front of her and then she sits at her feet and like watches her drink tea and i'm like oh my god (laughs) (laughs) amazing (laughs) um so at all of that reason number two sapphic gothic melodrama uh, reason number three. Okay. This is to me a very interesting character study. It is super salacious, uh, very subversive taboo, but at its root, it's also like this study on the cycle of abuse and trauma. And it has a lot of interesting themes, uh, on like victimization and like who, who's a victim who wants to be seen as a victim. What happens when you avoid your own victimization? Mm. Um, And actually, Kira, Kira, (laughs) am I just going to full Blue's blues? (laughs) (laughs) Clues?
1: Oh, I used to watch it so often. I'd be on board. That'd be amazing. Uh, Oh, let me make a note of that in Mr. Notebook.
0: (laughs) (laughs) God, such a hairpin turn from like psychosexual drama to Blue's Clues. Has (laughs) it ever been done before? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. First time. First time for everything. (laughs) Kirla says in her book, um, which I really like, this line up a lot in *House of Psychotic Women*. She says, "The values we inherit from our parents are often so insidious. We have the choice to break the cycle, but if we refuse to admit our own victimization uh, because of our uh, because of because of how per- your perceived weaknesses, then you can continue the cycle."
1: Oh yeah, essentially.
0: Which I thought was really interesting because, like, Sensi's whole thing is, like, she is, you know, regressed into, like, these childhood games of, like, mother and daughter because she, like, refuses to acknowledge, like, what happened with her stepfather. And when her stepfather comes in the picture, picture, she's, like, very flirtatious with him. They're very playful with each other. And it's, like, she's fully in her 20s now and, like, not actually related. But still there's there's some interesting incest stuff in there anyways. Oh, sure. <laughs> and it's like when, you know, when they would sleep together again, it's just like, oh, my God, she, you know, if you were some troll, you might say, like, well, she was really into it. She was being playful and consenting. But there's this interesting dynamic to it where you can see that, like, she's clearly avoiding wanting to be a victim and, like, being complicit if you think you're complicit in your own abuse then it's not abuse and then you're not a victim and then you're not weak uh and i think that there's like a lot of interesting psychology there that is actually very realistic and that a lot of people have to confront mhm so i think there's a lot to chew on uh, yeah
1: i mean especially because mia farrow in it is in the <laughs> farrow is in this jesus christ <laughs>
0: Right, which which ends, which ends, which adds an interesting layer. You know, the reality of yeah. like she was married to a pedophile. Yeah. You know, who then like slept with her daughter, adopted daughter, and married her, and then was also you know very connected to uh, Roman Polanski, another pedophile. Yeah. Uh, and it's like, what does this do to? The grown woman, you know, there's like an element of the character Sensi in the adult Mia Farrow. I mm. I he was talking about how much I love Rosemary's Baby, and I was just on Girls Guts and Giallo, Annie Rose Malamet's uh podcast. We had Annie on for the Alucarda episode mm-hmm. last fall. Um and I just did an episode about Rosemary's Baby with her, and I watched the uh documentary on the Criterion Edition, which has everybody now, well, this was like 2012, but it's, you know, adult, (laughs) grown-up, senior Mia Farrow, (laughs) um, uh, a few producers, and Roman Polanski as well, and listening to her talk about, like, what a genius Roman Polanski is, and I, I don't disagree as far as being an incredible filmmaker, but Never, you know, there's just obviously nobody's fucking talking about him being a rapist because it's like a documentary about him and his work.
1: Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) It was so difficult to watch because I'm like, yes, all of these things are true about the film. And I and I learned a lot from it. And I, I liked it in that way. But it was just like you you're like talking so effusively about this man who is like by all accounts, like a monster as like just like a really gross sexual abuser.
1: Yeah, that seems to be the way it goes with artists. It's like let's just continue to hold them up as high as we possibly can. Let's make documentaries about them and celebrate their lives and ignore major parts of their lives.
0: Major parts of their lives. Yeah, exactly, because it's like what kind of documentary? I mean, this is really just about the making of Rosemary's baby, so I understand it was for Criterion and it was like 40 minutes long. So I understand sure. that it's like has a very specific eye. But yeah. it's interesting to hear her talk in this way that almost had a childlike wonder about it. And Mm. it was after I had watched Secret Ceremony and I was like, oh my God, you are this character. You're like living this perpetuated like state of like being in your twenties before your husband raped your daughter, before your uh, collaborator raped another child. You know, it's, it's Mm. very interesting to me. Um, the the layers when you watch a movie from this time and you have all of our modern knowledge watch yeah, it with absolutely. a few different lenses hmm. so i i you know I'm of the mind that our brains are incredible and we're able to process many things at once so i think it's able to i think it's possible to like watch this movie have a lot of fun with it it's a legitimately very fun movie that does deal with like a dark subject hmm. um And, like, be able to enjoy it, appreciate the kind of, like, sexy, fun aspects of it, to then be kind of horrified by the horrific aspects of it. And then to also process, like, Mia Farrow as a member of our very complex and harrowing, like, film culture history.
1: Mm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Oh, wow.
0: (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot going on. Yeah, a lot to process. A lot to process. Uh, Let's get into number, I think this is four yes uh the architecture in this movie is gorgeous Mm. uh absolutely beautiful um the house the mansion that sensi lives in that elizabeth taylor is like oh yes fuck my old like one bedroom apartment (laughs) um it's a it's a real house it's called the uh De, sorry, it's in London, and I feel like there's like a British way of saying it, De Debenham House, the de Debenham House. Uh, <laughs> that was the way. Perfect. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it's this gorgeous, absolutely gorgeous mansion that they filmed the outside and the inside in. It's in London's affluent Holland Park district. I myself have never been to London, so that means nothing to me. Same. But, You can still go see it. It's there. Uh, It's located at number eight, Addison Road, and was designed by the architect Hasley Ricardo for Ernest Debenham, who was a big department store magnate in the 1900s in London. Mm. Um, So the style of the house is very Baroque. And it's been, uh, you know, it was built like that in 1906, and then it um, it was kept up. So, like, when this was filmed in the 60s, it still has this, like, Baroque, like, early 1900s design. Um, There is uh, a large bathroom and a large bedroom. Like, the master bedroom and bathroom were designed on a soundstage. Mm. So, those are not part of the original house, but every other scene outside of that is in the original house. Oh, Yeah, and it's really cool. The 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 um production designer Richard McDonald actually refurbished the house entirely uh and designed the studio sets as well so that it could blend with the style of the original house. So you I didn't know this going into it. I thought it was all one house because he does such a seamless job and the bedroom does not look like a soundstage at all. <laughs> um but, yeah, so he refurbished the house for, so it was basically, like, a total remodel, which I think is really interesting, so that it looked, like, new and lived in. Interesting. Uh, hmm. Yeah, there's this one room that's, like, all teal tiles, like, ceramic-tiled walls, but it's a living room, Uh huh. And it has these, like, big columns in it and these giant ornate wooden doorways with carvings in them and a big plush, like, mustard velvet couch. And all the woodwork and, like, the chairs and the tables are all, like, hand-carved, ornate, like, filigree type stuff. Um, It's so pretty. Like, every single scene is so sumptuous. Mm. Like. Every like the walls all have like colored walls, colored paper, paper colored tiles. Like, there's never, like, there's always something to see. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's never like a white wall.
1: Right. Yeah. Everything is uh, everything has a lot of detail in it in and very lavish, interesting ways. Nice. Very
0: lavish. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. And stands in contrast to like the sad bedroom that Elizabeth Taylor's character Lenora lived in in the beginning of the movie where you're like, oh yeah, that looks like my apartment. <laughs> it's just <laughs> like very small, um, you know, cute stuff, but like clearly very worn, very used. Right, um, right. so yeah, if you were into production design and like lavish decor, like you said, this is, that's my number four reason. Um, and then my number five reason is that the music is really good and really haunting. Um, I, I'm very impressed with, like, the score to me sounds very similar to the Rosemary's Baby score, which is also very haunting. It's not the same person. I just lost my place. I had it pulled up, um, who did the score, so.
1: oh, gotcha, gotcha.
0: You'll have to pause. I don't have the name in front of me now. In
1: the meantime, I do want to mention that the last reason reminds me a little bit of the haunting episode. Oh, Really? Yeah, just a little bit in terms of, like, the very specific architecture and, like, the the history behind it and stuff like that and sort of the gothicness of everything.
0: Yes. Oh, my gosh. That's such a great point. And the main character has all of these, like, psychological pulls with her relationship with her mother. And, like, she has all this guilt over letting her mother di- – she thinks she let her mother die, but her, like, mother was sick and just died because she was old. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. And so she thinks, like, the house is, like, pulling her in.
1: Yeah. And that,
0: like, she can hear her mother's voice. So that's so fascinating. Cozy, you always do that. Wait, did you watch The Haunting yet?
1: I haven't, no. But I was like, I remember this being a movie in the '60s, and I remember it being gay, gay and gothic. And I was like, this seems like there's some similarities. I like this. <laughs>
0: this is like all I like.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I trust me, very much the same way with like coming of age movies and so many other things.
0: <laughs> Cozy's the coming of age movies. I'm the gay gothic melodramas from the '60s. <laughs> I love
1: it. Absolutely. <laughs>
0: Oh, my gosh. Um, All right. Well, I can't find who did the score. I think I accidentally deleted it. I wrote it in my notes here. Um, (laughs) But the score is, like, doesn't seem like it's available anywhere. But um, Mm. it's very, like, the theme is used the whole time throughout the movie. And, like, sometimes it's, like, a little more aggressive than other times. It's, like, a little softer in the the background. Um, And Mm -hmm. it just felt... I just loved it. Like it felt like you were in on a secret. Like you're like I shouldn't be watching this. This Ooh, is I like private. That. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um and I I really like you know so many modern movies use like songs like like already c- composed songs for their for their scores, which is totally fine and can be very fun, but I really love when it's just like one theme and it plays at various times throughout the film it creates like a cohesive like vibe. I I promised Same. myself I was going to stop saying vibe and I can't. I need to <laughs> It's
1: impossible, right?
0: I need to get to the thesaurus because there are so many more words and I'm always like I think I already said it like 8 times in this episode. What a vibe. <laughs> I get
1: it though. I feel like Every time I hear someone talking about vibing, I'm like, "Aren't I too old to hear this?" And then I'm like, but <laughs> "I shouldn't
0: I, be hearing this." <laughs> yeah, but
1: it's specifically it's so it really does act, like accurately describe stuff. And I'm like, you know what? This is unfortunately the only word to make this work.
0: Yes, it really is a good. It really is a good word for like because it mood is very similar, also, right? We were yeah, like, it's yeah. like, it's
1: like a physical manifestation of mood, where it's like if you're sitting and feeling things, you're vibing. But no one really talked about sitting and feeling things before vibing was a word.
0: Okay, so yeah, maybe it's maybe it's perfect. It's I it's a bummer listen, how perfect it is. <laughs> I know because it's so overused, and yeah, I feel so myself being irritating. Like mm-hmm. I like oh, this is an <laughs> annoying thing to say, isn't it? I think it's going
1: to fly, unfortunately. I think that word's just going to be okay with everybody.
0: (laughs) Well, if that's true, then I feel better about it. I'm being being self-conscious because I don't want to be like that adult who's trying to be like a Gen Z person.
1: Oh, no. I've seen it be – I think it slid in so effectively into everybody's sort of vocabulary that it'll kind of just hang out and be okay. I guess hanging out is almost – even that one's not quite right. It's yeah. it's what cool was, but it's it's different at the same time, and it's just going to survive <laughs> forever somehow. <laughs> I just oh want to go to amazing. Massachusetts and hear no one ever say that word.
0: <laughs> no, that happens to me whenever I'm home in Ohio, and I'm like, yeah, here we are, all just vibing, and they're like, oh, no, <laughs> <laughs> that's not... We're not doing that. (laughs) Yeah.
1: I want to hear Bill Burr say it and nothing else.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's so funny. Um, Okay. So the composer of Secret Ceremony's score is Richard Rodney Bennett. And I wanted to mention it because he's like a extremely like, like what's the word? He's done. He's prolific.
1: Oh, nice. So many
0: scores. Um, As far as – films, there are not a lot of them that he's done that I've seen other than the Murder on the Orient Express, the original one from 1974, Mm. which he was nominated for an Academy Award for. Oh, nice. But did not win. Um, And did a lot of um, uh, Permission to Kill, Sherlock Holmes, uh, sort of, I don't know, what are you, uh, thriller type movies. Yeah, yeah. But I haven't, yeah, other than The Murder of Orient Express, I haven't seen any of these. Like, I recognize them from seeing them at, uh, like, video stores. But that's right. it. He did one in 1966 called The Witches, hmm. which is a British horror film that I had never heard of before by Hammer Films. Oh. Um, yeah. Uh, it was released in the United States as The Devil's Own. Oh, so that, a,
1: other familiar I've name. i heard it. Yeah, right? heard the right? name before. That's all I've got, though.
0: He's a British composer, so a lot of uh, British films. Yeah. Uh, But he he also did uh, scores for two ballets. He Hmm. did like six operas, and he has a ton of his own overtures that he, uh, instrumental stuff that he wrote and published. Hopefully we all
1: become this person.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Richard Rodney Bennett. He's, yeah, prolific prolific. Jeez! Uh, (laughs) Yeah, no,
1: I. But yeah, I would. We will. We would all love to have such a great body of work.
0: (laughs) Yeah, he's. uh, I guess studied at the Royal Academy of Music. Um, Sounds fancy. (laughs) Yeah, I know it sounds really fancy, uh, and was uh, mainly jazz pianist.
1: Oh cool. Oh my God. And he's writing operas. Come on. Yeah. I know, that's cool. Right? That's cool.
0: <laughs> so I really love the music in this movie. Um, it's beautiful. The music is great. Uh, the movie looks beautiful, the performances are otherworldly, the topic is just like absolutely bonkers while <laughs> also being kind of introspective. And um, it's just really fun, and there's no story like it. It's completely original. So Ooh. those are my uh, five reasons. What do you think?
1: I think, that, I think that I'd be down to give it a try. I'm not usually a melodramatic movie guy. Like, mm-hmm. I do tend to, especially if something's, like, kind of like a Lifetime movie, that's generally, like, a warning bell for me. But not because I don't like them, more because I haven't given them a try, I think. I have a feeling that that's one of those old toxic masculinity bullshit things left over from, like, (laughs) childhood. So I would definitely try it and, you know, silence those warning bells because they are useless and old.
0: Right. Well, and I only used uh, Lifetime Movie because that's what I think that you would see now. But this is a beautifully directed, written, acted story. Like, I I don't say that to compare as far as quality. Sure. Because I definitely understand people being like, ugh, yikes. It's just – Trashy, yeah, Um, sure. (laughs) but the story is a little trashy, but it looks elegant, so it's that's why I'm like, these movies don't exist anymore. Like, I want to watch a film that has this level of production design, but like this type of trash story, yeah, good point. Salacious, you know?
1: Oh, yeah, I have, I feel like that should be coming back somehow. I feel like there should be more of those now because everyone's so good at production value. Right. I feel like that's what, like,
0: Ryan Murphy does.
1: That wouldn't surprise me. Yeah.
0: (laughs) That's, like, a lot of his TV work. Oh, sure. So this movie was made for, uh, like, 200... 200. Oh my God. I'm so bad at reading today. Uh, <laughs> 200 2 million, <laughs> Yeah, $200. Really incredible production design. They rebuilt an entire mansion. <laughs> uh, it was the 60s. Money just went further. Uh, <laughs> inflation. Million, <laughs> yeah, inflation. It was made for $2 million and uh, it made $3 million in the box office. So. Mm. Pretty impressive. Nice. And it was released in October. So I'm going to count this as a Halloween movie. (laughs) Good
1: choice. I mean, yeah, of course. Come on. If the word secret ceremony enough, yeah, that's got to be a Halloween movie.
0: Yeah, it's a very thrilling movie and it has a very disturbing end.
1: Oh, good. Yeah, and I I love the fact that you, in in all your synopsis, there was nothing in there that made me think of the word secret ceremony. So there's like this big kind of secret waiting for me.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah, there's... It sounds like I told you a lot but there's just so much to uncover and wow. so much of it is like eek. <laughs> Love it.
1: Yeah, yes please. Twists and turns. Uh,
0: yeah. <laughs> yeah, lots of lots of twists and turns, unexpected uh, two unexpected endings. Amazing. So something to look forward to. I hope that you watch it, and I can't wait to hear what you think uh, when you do watch it. Nice. (laughs) So what have you watched recently or done recently that you would like to recommend to me and the audience? I think I'm
1: going to recommend the film Nine Days.
0: Ooh, Nine Days. That sounds familiar to me, and I – Oh, you know what? I'm thinking of Hugh Grant in nine months.
1: <laughs> yeah, I figured. There's also, like, a couple movies called Nine. It's all over the place. It's 28 yeah, Days Later. There's so many days and nine movies.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, tell me about Nine Days. I don't know if I can place it.
1: Yeah, it's a super new one. Um, it's it's probably still in theaters now for some folks. And it's about, like, um, a a guy in the place before life who judges souls to be born. And he talks to, like, a couple souls, maybe, like, five five or more souls, and uh, maybe a larger number than that, and, uh, like, judges them within the span of nine days, and you kind of get to understand who this entity is, and it's very quiet and beautiful and talks about life a lot in interesting ways.
0: Wait, when is this from?
1: This is from 2020, and it, like, it's in theaters right now, so...
0: Wow, I haven't heard of this at all. Very cool. Well, thank yeah. you so much for that awesome recommendation.
1: Absolutely. Watch the trailer. Winston Duke's the main guy in it. Zazie Beats is in it. We got a little bit of, um, what's his name, Buster from uh, from Arrested Developments in there. Tony Hale. Oh,
0: Tony Hale. I love Tony Hale.
1: He's very oh. fun in it.
0: Yes. I know what you're talking about now because I am all, I love Tony Hale news. <laughs> awesome. Uh, okay, cool. So... Uh, What a great recommendation. I think I'm going to take it. Thank you.
1: Absolutely. Let me know what you think.
0: I will. Um, Okay, my recommendation is a little older, but it's also something that I saw in the theater. Uh, I recently had the pleasure of going to the theater with Jen Saunderson, former guest. Uh, She invited me to a Sergio Martino double feature at the New Beverly, Quentin Tarantino's Theater here in Los Angeles. And we got to see Torso together, which is the movie that she came on our podcast last summer to discuss.
1: Yeah, I saw that was playing and I wanted to go see it. And I was like, damn it, it's on a bad night for me, but I so would have been there otherwise.
0: Oh, it's too bad. It was so cool to get to watch it with Jen since she was the reason that I watched it to begin with. Yes. Uh, So we got to see all of everything that the new Bev plays on film. Uh, 35 millimeters, so I got to see an original print, which was really interesting because a lot of scenes were cut from it.
1: (laughs) Ooh, interesting!
0: Really happy that my first viewing was the like Blu-ray Arrow release of it, so I got to see it in its entirely entirety. Excuse me, Um, but it was a double feature, and I got to see one of his first films, The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, Mm. was the second movie, and I hadn't watched that one yet, and it was gorgeous. And talk about twists. There were like five twist endings. And I feel like a lot of people in the theater had seen that one already because they weren't reacting that much. And I actually <laughs> shouted out loud, oh my God, like three times. <laughs> and I was like so surprised. I was like, what? Oh my God, no. <laughs>
1: yes. Oh, that means it's working. Oh, that's beautiful.
0: I loved it. And like as much as I like Torso, this one, that one's more of a straightforward like slasher. Uh, and home invasion movie, like very horror. this one was way more like psychological thriller, and like who's the bad guy, and like who's coming who's killing these people and it was just such a good mystery. like I loved the mystery so much, and it took so many crazy turns that I wasn't anticipating. I just had so much fun watching it, so you know, go back and listen to the episode Torso with Jen Saunderson. And uh, if you are into Jallo films or Sergio Martino and you haven't seen The Strange Vice of Mrs. Ward, it's a must. And if you're looking to get into Jallo or maybe you don't want something that's super violent, this one isn't as violent as Torso. And it's like very, very good, like as far as hitting all the Jallo tropes as well. So I think it's a great entry point to the subgenre.
1: Ooh, I like that.
0: Yeah, so those are. I think we had some good recommendations this week.
1: Absolutely.
0: Um, all right. Well, hey, y'all. If you have seen our recommendations, or you have recommendations for us, hit us up on Twitter or Instagram to let us know. You can find us at Need to See Pod, and we're on Face Grip. Base Grip. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> It's like sounds- Freudian, Freudian slip episode. That face sounds like grip. an
1: amazing <laughs> social media app.
0: It's honestly what has happened to all of us.
1: <laughs> I think you're right. Every screen is face grip.
0: <laughs> we're at facebook we're also on facebook uh where we grip your face and scream into your mouths about what movies you should be watching uh hey also if you've seen secret ceremony please hit me up i want to discuss it with you uh you can follow me personally at ltb comedy on instagram and on twitter it's recently come to my attention that many people think that my people i don't know me irl think that my handle is it be comedy what what <laughs> i so disturbed that people out there have been seeing my face and then thinking it be comedy (laughs) (laughs) that's
1: terrible i've never thought that i'm worried about those people now
0: (laughs) i'm the most bummed so i am now like reconsidering handles even though i've had this one for like 10 years and it feels like disastrous to change it now um it's LTB comedy. It's my initials, Luce Tomlin Brenner. Uh, that's where you can find me across the internet until I get too self-conscious and change it to something else. <laughs> you should
1: just change it to a capital L. Yeah, right. As, yeah. as if that's how handles worked.
0: <gasps> yeah, so I know, dumb. right? Like, it be comedy. Someone recently was like, I love it be comedy. And I was like, <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> that's <laughs> so funny.
1: Yeah, I that's know. my, like, joke website.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, offensive. Um, (laughs) uh, And then otherwise, you know, like I said, as far as promotion goes, like still working on a, uh, it's always Halloween. We're getting into the Halloween season and I'm going to have a whole chapter on the history of witchcraft and how it's connected to Halloween coming up. Uh, which is really fun. And then please check out my episode with Annie Rose Malamet on Girls, Guts, and Jallo as we discuss Rosemary's Baby. It just dropped. So I think it's a really good pairing with this episode of Secret Ceremony. It's good back to back.
1: Ooh, good call.
0: What about you? What do you want to promote today, Cozy?
1: Oh, good question. I forgot about that. Um, You know what? Uh, As always, every fourth Wednesday, I've got quarantine date night. Uh, So that'll be coming up in August, uh, 8 uh, p.m. Twitch.tv slash Sweet Lama, S-W-E-E-T-D-A-L-A-I-L-A-M-A. We've got some really great couples coming up to do improv together in a little Zoom window. Some of them are theater owners. Some of them are former theater owners. One of them is an Academy Award-winning writer. It's going to be a lot of fun. That sounds so fun.
0: Congrats on such a great show.
1: Thank you. I'm excited.
0: Uh, Good. You should be. Uh, Well, everybody, thank you so much for listening to another episode of You Need to See This. And thank you, Pete Burns, for editing this all together. I hope everyone has a great week. Bye. Bye. (laughs) Bye. Secret Ceremony, a tense, suspenseful drama of human desire in its deepest, most sinister aspect.